listening to a podcast from the Finnish Football Show. Hello, you've joined the Finnish Football Show. My name's Rich Nelson at Escape to Swarmy, and we've got a very special interview podcast today. We're talking with Johanna Ruohonen about a new book called Nasten uh, Lahi, which we're going to be talking about women's football in the build-up to the Women's Euros upcoming, where Finland will be participating, and a lot about the background and the development of both women's football in Europe and within Finland, and um, We'll have a little look as to the the upcoming Finland games in in Milton Keynes, which will be a, a lot of fun. I think uh, most of the panel will be going, and I believe uh, Johanna, welcome. Um, Thank you're, you. You're going to the games as well, or some of them, are I, you? I am. I'm going to see the at least all the group stage games of Finland, and then some odd games in between Sweden oh. and Netherlands, I believe. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, as we said, you've um, you've written a book which has come out quite recently and it's about um, women's football. So yes. can you give us a, a little introduction about the book and, and we'll talk about some of the subject matters afterwards? Well, it is a, it is a travel story. It is a history book and it is a, a tale about Finnish footballers, uh, professional footballers. Um, it it all started with the pandemia. Um, I, I play football as a hobby, and and when the COVID nineteen hit Finland, we adult uh, footballers who do not play professionally we were forbidden to play, and hence I decided with one of my teammates that since we can't play football at least we could talk about football, and we started a football podcast. <laughs> mm. um, and when I was doing research for the, it was kind of a historical approach to, to football, um, I started to do research and I realized that the history of women's uh, game is, is practically completely unwritten. And that led me, I, I have a researcher background, uh, that led me on a quest to, to do that research myself. With all the the number of books that have come out in recent years, it's uh, it's nice to see that the the subject is diversifying. I mean, there's even the the books that I've seen in released in Finland over the last couple of years. You've got football all over the world, but mostly are very much aimed at, at the men's market. But I mean, women's football is growing massively across certainly most of the world anyway. And I think they're looking at for the the upcoming Euros, sort of selling over half a million tickets. But but one of the things that was hoping to talk about, and, and we talked about this briefly when we spoke to Tim Sparv a couple of years ago, because he's been quite active. But in terms of the inequality and in between women and men's football, both in the profile, in the money, the resourcing that goes into that, and and again a lot of the the interest. I mean, what what's your kind of take on that? And, and do you think that that gap is starting to close? Well, I wouldn't say that it's it's starting to close, but but at least work is done on on that field. And I was 
kind of delighted and and also a bit shocked to see that uh, women's football is now in like the strategic focus of both the Suomen Ballolit, the Finnish Football Association, the UEFA and FIFA. But they are still, especially UEFA and FIFA, they are kind of uh, developing women's football as a kind of a special project. So it's still not within the core of football, which is uh, still then predominantly male football. And to be honest, if the football associations wish to grow the game, the women's game is pretty much the only field that they can grow on because men's football is already so big in, in many countries that it's almost saturated. So there is there is big potential in women's football uh, in terms of growth. And I think that the associations are now finally understanding that that there is big profits that can be made also on, on that field. Again, when, when we look at how things are now, and obviously things have improved massively, there's still a long, long way to go before any kind of parity. And we've had uh, Finland, for example, one of the first countries to have equal pay or maybe pay is not the right word compensation expenses for for the men's and, and women's teams and obviously that's that only goes so far because the the resourcing the equipment the quality around resourcing and coaching is, is still going to be different but is there much motion across the rest of europe to see similar there has been just within the last few weeks uh the netherlands and Spain made a similar uh, decision. So I would be hopeful that now that many and, and soon hopefully all major football uh, countries in Europe have made this decision, they could finally make the next steps in UEFA too. Because while they have the same compensation for each game, uh, they also have the same bonus percentage and what UEFA rewards the teams from competitions that is still how would I put it marginal in the women's game yeah because again when we're talking percentages of we're talking sort of hundreds of thousands if not millions of euros for for participating in in major competitions and again the, the disparity between how much the men's team got for playing in the Euros last year compared to what the women's team will get this year is, is still quite large. So um, sort of on, on that topic, and, and I read something recently where you spoke about how after the Women's League in Finland rebranded as the, the Cancellinen League and the National League a couple of years ago, and yet there's still, of the clubs there, there's only one of the head coaches is a female. Uh, I think it's uh, Mary Savaline at, at HOPS. And there's still that kind of thing where the male coach is seen as the expertise. But in terms of like, is that important for young girls getting into football? Because not every girl will want to play, but they'll certainly have the interest in, in coaching or some kind of administration that, that having a visible role model will be a big driving factor at getting more girls and, and young women into the game. Well, I guess like football hasn't really offered serious professional possibilities for women until the last few years. So I guess it's very uh, understandable in that sense that we have very few 
uh, women coaches in invisible positions and and few referees. But then again, well, we've had like some very important uh, individuals. Um, but for example, uh, in referees, uh, I heard from the association that a lot of girls join the education or or how would you say the the coaching to be referees, but they don't continue. <clears throat> and and that is a problem. And and they had no answer. I have no answer to uh, why they don't pursue the career after uh, after starting it. But yes, uh, the field has not offered many possibilities, but it is offering more now. And uh, of course, seeing that women can do something can definitely encourage you to, to pursue the same. But we are yet to see uh, women lead men's organizations or, or men's teams. So, so in that sense, uh, it is still more limited, the, the possibilities for, for women administrators. In, in terms of the, the background of women's football um, and sort of touching on, on your book, how far back in the history do you go? I mean, you know, say some of the guys who do this podcast, we, we live in the UK where women's football has had a, a long history, but very up and down, you know, it was banned at, at some points. But in, in Finland, what's the kind of the history? Is it a bit more consistent or is it now sort of really coming to the front? Yeah, well, I do go all the way to the 19th century and, and Netty Honeyball and the, the first chapter of, of women's football in the UK, uh, which, as you know, was very short-lived uh, and, and more framed as, as an entertainment rather than sports. And uh, according to the fashion of the time, they played in, in boots, in, in high heel boots and, and, and long skirts. Uh, but then, obviously, there was the <clears throat> very important chapter uh, during the First World War and after that, when, when the women's game was really thriving and, and flourishing in the UK, uh, for which reason it was banned for 50 years. And the end of that ban, which was um, in turn of 1970, that kind of marks the moment when the, the official football be began also in Finland. So in 1970, uh, UEFA, uh, who had seen that the women's game was developing, uh, women were not allowed in the football associations, so they had created their own associations and they were uh, arranging their own international competitions. So UEFA saw that they needed to take the women's game into their control. And they suggested to all the affiliated associations that they take women's football as part of their activities. And so did Finland. And uh, the first Finnish Cup was played in 1971. And the national team was also established at that same moment. But they only played their first game a few years after. Before that, before 1970, uh, the the Finnish uh, history of foot, football for women is, is, is quite uh, sporadic. There's not many examples of organized or more continuing playing. It was individual games here and there, often associated with 
men's teams, for example, wives and girlfriends playing in in uh, show games. But uh, yeah, it it started from this official launch in the turn of 1970s. Between the 1970s and now, what, what else is covered in, in that 50-year period? Well, <laughs> that's a, a lot has happened in those, those years. Well, I, I had the privilege to uh, interview also some of the early national team players. Uh, for example, Ulla Kasinen, who was one of the first who left for a, a professional career in Sweden. I, I put little uh, finger marks around the, the professional because of quotation marks, uh, because she wasn't paid even in Sweden, but the environment was much more professional than in Finland. So uh, Finnish players have been going to Sweden from the early uh, 1980s, but the more serious professionalism of the game has been happening practically within the last 20 years. So we have uh, we have had players like Anne Mäkinen and Laura Kalmari, who were the first among the first to go to the US to play professionally. And and we've had a lot of players going to Sweden and Germany, uh, which were the first places where you could actually get paid uh, to play football as a women. But the number of players going abroad and the countries that they can play in has diversified and, and, and kind of multiplied within the last five years. So the, the growth from like 2010 to 2022 is uh, huge. Um, and as we can see from the clubs that the current Helmari players are in, uh, they are, well, most of them are in Sweden. So that's still the, the big uh, country where, where Finnish players go. But there are players in England, in France, in Italy and in Spain. And also, of course, Natalia Cuica in, in the US. So the Finnish pro players have uh, much wider possibilities uh, today than, than what they had 10 years ago. But still, at the same time, it has to be noted that to play professionally, you need to go abroad. So there's there's only two players uh, who come from Kansalina Liga uh, clubs, and they are Essi Sainio and Anna Westerlund, who both have long careers abroad uh, before coming back to Finland. So uh, with that status, they can uh, perhaps live a more professional uh, life also in Finland. Yeah, and then again, without sort of echoing back to the men's game too much, that's that's something again that that we've noted. But uh, but again, you know, some of those players who've gone abroad have done spectacularly well. I mean, Doya Hirulan has won is it five titles in a row in Italy? Um, achievements like that are you know special, and and again that that kind of experience going into the side. We've been covering a lot of the the activities over the last couple of years anyway since the the league has has changed and 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 when you look at it from from one point of view the the women's national team is more successful than the men's they've reached more major tournaments and um and we've spoken to a few of the players over the last couple of years about 
how that has been a big sort of drive to get young girls involved. And I believe that the proportion is around 25, 26% of the registered players in, in Finland are now, are now girls and women. But um, I mean, we, we also talked about the clubs and that some of the clubs that you get in, in the top division aren't the ones that are the, you know, they're almost as more successful than the men's. Because I think in a lot of, say, in, in England, where, where some of us are, the big clubs, the big women's clubs are the big men's clubs as well because they've got the funding and the resourcing. In But Finland, that is I mean, quite new, to be honest. That, that is, yeah. Been. Yeah, I mean, we've had, I mean, but when I was a bit younger, teams like Doncaster, Bells were quite a big club in, in the women's game over here and they, they've kind of made way for, for those clubs who have now been throwing money into their women's teams. But um, in Finland, I mean, we, unfortunately last year we had a case where the team that came second in the league Tips actually withdrew their club because it was costing them too much money, and, and that's something that's still, you know, structurally something that needs to be improved massively. But is there anything that you've seen there that, while it's it's unsteady, but that, that there are some foundations to build on? Yeah, and I think the council in Liga has addressed that problem, and and they are uh, they are working to support the clubs they are rewarding the clubs for strengthening their professionalism and and for hiring staff and and building up their organizations but it is true it is a problem that many of the clubs are very small organizations with very limited funding and it creates instability in the field yeah i mean that's that's something that I mean, we, we've talked about before and how in Finland, I mean, it's a, a wider topic around the cost of junior football to, to families, especially those on, on low incomes and and paying for kids of, of both of, of all genders to play is, is quite an expensive hobby. But um, but it's still nice to see. And, and I mean, some of the things that we've seen are probably bordering onto gimmicks. I mean, one of the things my kids were interested in was the fact I think Disney had some kind of promotion through the Palolito about, I think that they had the characters from Frozen playing football or something like that. Was that, is that something that you think is a gimmick or do you think there might be something stronger behind that? I have no objections to uh, luring girls or kids to football via princesses or, or Disney characters. Um, I think it's, it's a, a fun way to promote the game. Um, I can see that there is effort of bringing girls in uh, to clubs and to play football, but maybe there is a bigger problem again in keeping them in and, and the problem of, of dropout uh, in, in any gender is, I think, a major issue that, that should be taken more seriously because that is a, in, in teenage years uh, around 13-14 where some start to uh, practice even more competitively and then the rest are perhaps not uh, kept so motivated so there is a there is a big dropout at that age. I guess that's a challenge across a lot of sports not just football and and yeah trying to keep people interested beyond that initial contact. But um, but no, it's, it's, it's good to see at least that, you know, I mean, my my girls, I, I've taken them to see Chelsea women's team a couple of times. We live quite near their ground and 
it's cheap to go and they, they have big attendances. I think we're, we're hoping to come over in, in August and, and go to a couple of games. But I think in, in terms of your book, you said you wrote it as part of your kind of frustration at being sort of kept on the sidelines during COVID. But um, so how much research did you have to do? I mean, it must have been to get that much history. Did you uh, dig through archives and things like that to find out your topics? Well, what I what I didn't mention in the beginning is that the pandemic also led me to keep a year off from my work. And um, I traveled around Europe to meet Finnish players. Uh, I traveled to England to meet Dini and Emma Koivisto and France, Italy, Spain. I, I talked to a lot of the, the current professional uh, Helmari players. And the story goes through their experiences towards then the history in, in each country in which they are playing. Okay. And for that, I, I used the, the existing literature, which is not that much, but also uh, in Finland archives, of course, up to a degree. But to be honest, the Finnish uh, women's game is not so well archived either. So, so it, the the resources are quite uh, limited often. But but looking ahead to to this tournament, and this is Finland. I think it's the fourth qualification yes. for Euros, and um, and again, winning winning the group for the way that they did. Um, very small, tight knit squad. But I mean, you've met sort of several of the players, and. Um, I mean, going into in a very tough group, uh, how, how do you see things going? I mean, is this just a case of they're going and they're going to be looking at this going an experience? Or do, do you think that there are routes there where they could look at thinking, you know, this, this could be a big story in actually getting out of the group? I think they're definitely hungry. Like they're not going to go there just for the for the sake of, of participating. I, I do believe in their will to win. Uh, however, they have an extremely tough group, uh, as you mentioned. So, so they, unfortunately, uh, as much as I wish uh, their success, it, it will be a very difficult road. Yeah, I mean, uh, Spain, Germany and um, Denmark are three of the strongest teams in Europe. And I mean, it's it's nice. We we follow the the qualification quite closely, and uh, the the win the wins against Portugal and and Scotland. And I, I know the the game in Scotland where Amanda Rantanen essentially scored with her nose that got quite sort of, say viral. The the video footage of that, and uh, and it looks like her injury to her arm seems to be okay now. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to watch. And again, you know, we've, we've spoken to a few of the players beforehand and and unfortunately it looks like reaching the next World Cup is going to be unlikely, but yeah. fingers crossed, still uh, Sweden to play, but we'll see. But other than that, Johanna, um, do you want to just tell us a little bit more about your book and, and 
sort of a, a wider context and where where people can buy it because um, I think a lot of people would be quite interested. You know, it's a very good timing. Mm. Well, in uh, how how is the phrase in English in all well equipped bookstores? <laughs> <laughs> all good and some bad. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well, uh, it's also available as an ebook, and it will be available uh, as audio on. Uh, what the coincidence on July the 6th. So <laughs> on the start day of the tournament, you can start listening to the to the book on between games. It's going to be really exciting. And again, we're, we're lucky that the ones of us who live in the UK can go to, unfortunately it is in Milton Keynes and not somewhere more salubrious and exciting, but at least not too far for us. But it's going to be really exciting. And, and I think, We'll be looking forward to that and we'll be also linking and shamelessly hawking our interviews with uh, with Tinny and, and Emma. And we, we spoke to Paula as well last year. Unfortunately, she didn't make the squad, but you've got you know some real experience and some real characters there with a lot of background and, uh, and the kind of interest in the league as well is growing. Um, things will be taking a long time, but... Uh, yeah, it's been it's been good, and um, and and Johanna, thank you very much for coming on, and and we'll put plenty of links to the book in the show notes and uh, and things yeah. like that, and and hopefully we'll uh, we'll bump into each other at uh, Stadium MK next month. I hope so, and yeah. and hopefully we get a translation someday of the book. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but no, thank you very much again, Johanna, and um, we appreciate it, and yes, we're really looking forward to the Helmer doing well. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finnish Football Show. You can find us online at finnishfootballshow.com. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening or watching. You can follow the Finnish Football Show page and group on Facebook and on Instagram. See the links in the episode description below. You can also connect with the four hosts on Twitter, at Explore Finland, at FC Sormi, at Escape to Sormi, at Kekimula. Links to the Finnish Football Show merch stores are also in the episode description.